Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello again. I'm John Gidley, and welcome to another trip into the football attic. If you were with us last week, you heard the story of the 1994 Philadelphia Eagles, who started 7-2 and and missed the playoffs. Today, we're going to talk about a team who pulled off the reverse of that feat, the 1970 Cincinnati Bengals, who made the playoffs despite starting 1-6. First, a little backstory. The Cincinnati Bengals were the final team added to the NFL's 1960s counterpart, the American Football League. They were founded by one of the most important figures in football history, Paul Brown. Brown was the first head coach of the Cleveland Browns, founded in 1946 and named after the head coach for his previous success at Ohio State. In his 17 seasons leading the Browns, they won seven championships. Even though he was successful, he was a polarizing figure among Brown's players and owner Art Modell, who fired Brown after the 1962 season. In 1967, after spending five years away from coaching, Brown led a group that invested in the AFL's forthcoming expansion franchise in Cincinnati the Queen City's first professional football team in 25 years. The Bengals began play in 1968, but were a far cry from Brown's dominant Cleveland teams. They finished 3-11 in their first season and used the fourth pick of the 1969 draft to select University of Cincinnati quarterback Greg Cook, who Brown believed had the potential of some of the other great quarterbacks he had coached in Cleveland, such as Otto Graham, Milt Plum, and Frank Ryan. Sure enough, Cook led the Bengals to a 3-0 start in 1969, but in that third game against Kansas City, he tore his rotator cuff, an injury that proved to be fatal to his pro career. After playing through the pain for most of the 69 season, Cook would only play one more NFL game before retiring in 1973. In 1970, the AFL merged with the NFL. Each of the AFL's teams made up the new American Football Conference, which added three previous NFL teams, the Baltimore Colts, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Cleveland Browns, to give each league an equal number of teams. The Bengals were one of four teams in the AFC's Central Division, along with the Steelers, the Houston Oilers, and Paul Brown's old team in Cleveland. 1970 was also the first season that Cincinnati played at Riverfront Stadium. On opening day, they christened their new home with a surprising 31-21 upset victory over the Oakland Raiders. Despite this momentum, things turned sour in a hurry. The next week, the Bengals lost 38-3 at Detroit. After a 20-13 home loss to Houston, Paul Brown made his return to Cleveland in Week 4. Cincinnati led 17-9 in the first half, but the Browns overpowered the Bengals in the second half to come away with a 30-27 victory. Following a 27-19 home defeat at the hands of Kansas City, the Bengals were shut out 20-0 in Washington, then suffered a 21-10 loss in Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football. Standing at 1-6 entering Week 8 and trailing the Browns by three games for first place in the AFC Central, most left Cincinnati for dead. Instead, the Bengals were only getting started. Their amazing resurrection began in Week 8 when they crushed the Bills 43-14 in Buffalo. The next week, in a huge home game against their new in-state rivals, 
Quarterback Virgil Carter ran for 110 of the Bengals' 210 rushing yards, contributing to a 14-10 upset of the Browns. After an easy 34-7 home victory over Pittsburgh the next week, Cincinnati was only one game out of first at 4-6. A 26-6 home win over New Orleans the next week, coupled with the Steelers' defeat of the Browns, created a three-way tie for first place at 5-6. Pittsburgh dropped out the next week with a loss to Green Bay, but the Browns stuck around with a 21-10 Monday night win at Houston, as did the Bengals with a 17-14 victory at San Diego. Cincinnati had now won five games in a row. On a sloppy Saturday afternoon in Cleveland in Week 13, the Browns lost to Dallas 6-2, dropping to 6-7 and, and improbably giving the Bengals a chance at sole possession of first place with a win the next day in Houston. After a surprisingly close first half against an inferior Oilers team, Cincinnati came alive in the second half. Running back Essex Johnson scored two touchdowns, the Bengals beat the Oilers 30-20, and amazingly, they now had a winning record and were in the driver's seat for the AFC Central. All Cincinnati needed to do was score a victory in their final game of the season, and they were division champions. Fortunately, that final game was at home against the 2-11 Patriots. The Bengals didn't let such a ripe opportunity go to waste, as they pounded the Pats 45-7. Against all odds, Cincinnati, after losing six of their first seven, won each of their last seven games to finish 8-6 and six and win the AFC Central. However, their Cinderella story came to an anticlimactic end in the next week's divisional playoff game in Baltimore. The eventual Super Bowl champion Colts shut out the Bengals 17-0. Paul Brown would reach the playoffs twice more as head coach of the Bengals, but both appearances were divisional round road losses, first to Miami in 1973, then to Oakland in 1975. That game against the Raiders would be the last game that Brown ever coached. He stayed on as part owner and team president, however, for the next 16 years. In that time span, Cincinnati reached two Super Bowls in 1981 and 88, but each game ended in defeat to San Francisco. Paul Brown passed away in August of 1991, and it can be argued that the Bengals have never been the same since his death. They haven't won a playoff game since 1990, Brown's last season in the front office, and a postseason victory doesn't appear to be coming anytime soon. Thanks for joining me for this trip into the football attic, and I hope to see you again next week. In the meantime, check out all the other great podcasts here on the Sports History Network, and follow me on Twitter at JFG Sports. Until next time, this is John Gidley. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I hope that you enjoyed this recent episode presented by the Sports History Network and were able to learn some good old-fashioned sports history knowledge nuggets. I started the Sports History Network Back in 2020, with the mission to help podcasters find a community of like-minded sports history nerds, as well as helping aspiring podcasters to start their own shows. We have a little bit over 30 shows on the network right now covering all sorts of sports history, but as far as I'm concerned, we're just at the toothpick in the ocean moment, you know, that can't even figure it out because there's so much more coming. We wanted to create the ultimate headquarters for sports yesteryear starting with Podcast Network and our website, but we're going to continue to move into other mediums as well. And here's the cool part, because we want you to be part of our team. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, or maybe being a guest on one of our shows, or who knows, maybe even writing an article for us over on the website. Seriously, all you got to do is reach out to us on the contact page over at sportshistorynetwork.com. You can be as technologically savvy as a Neanderthal tapping on a stone trying to figure out this whole hieroglyphics thing back in the day. Again, it doesn't matter, because even if you 
don't understand the whole podcast space, we have a production team that can pretty much help you out with doing everything. All you got to do, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com, head to the contact page, fill it out. That message goes right to me, and I'll reach out to you as soon as I can. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through.